have been preaching a series of messages entitled, It's All About Him. Folks, it is all about Him. Amen? It's all about Him. And uh, we want to take our Bibles and we want to go to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17. I want to call your attention to verse 45. This is what the Bible says. It says, Then said David to the Philistine, that giant Goliath, remember? Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name, in the name of the Lord, in the name of Yahweh. I come to you, old folks, let me tell you something. There's something about his name. Amen. Uh, There's something about just exalting the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, that's what we want to do today. That's what we want to do. You say, well, I've got lunch plans at 1210. You ought to go ahead and leave now. All right. All right. I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. I want to talk to you about his name is Jehovah Saba. His name is Jehovah Saba. There was a lady that was from Washington, D.C., and she was very much pregnant, very close to having the baby. Her husband was out of the country during this time, and she was involved in a terrible accident. They rushed her to the hospital. She was unconscious, actually, for about three days. And uh, after being unconscious for about three days, the doctor walks in, and, and uh, she says, uh, what about my baby? And the doc says, no, no, no. <laughs> it's not baby. It's babies. You had a little boy and a little girl. She said, well, how long have I been unconscious? The doc said, three days. She said, well, I, I need to name them. And the doc said, no, no, you don't understand. While you was unconscious, your brother was here. She said, my brother's just, he's not real smart. I mean, he's not a real smart guy. He's very, very dumb. You know, I mean, he's just, uh, just, no, no, no. I said, no, no, but he was here. She said, well, what did, it, what did he name my little girl? And she said, well, uh, Doc said, Denise. She said, well, you know, that's not bad. Denise, that's a pretty name. What about the little boy? And the doc said, D-nephew, D-nephew, <laughs> D-nephew. Well, last week, we talked about a name. Last week, we talked about Jehovah Jireh. We talked about the fact Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide. We talked about the fact that God would bankrupt heaven if it took that to meet our need. We talked about where God guides, he provides, and where he leads, he succeeds. We talked about the fact that if it's God's will, it's God's bill. Amen? We talked about that he's Jehovah Jireh, and he'll provide for every need. But today we want to talk about Jehovah Saba. Jehovah Saba. The word Saba actually means the Lord our warrior. The Lord our warrior. And the place that Jehovah Saba is used, ladies and gentlemen, is on that scripture. That scripture that we read. I come to you in the name of the Lord. The Lord there, of course, is in caps, and it's the word Jehovah. But the word host in Hebrew is the word Saba. So the Lord 
It's Jehovah Saba, the Lord, our warrior. Now, I want you to understand, we need a warrior. <laughs> and the Lord is our warrior. Now, now, let me say three things from this text and from this story. The first thing I want you to see is David encountered a vicious enemy. David encountered a vicious enemy. Now, his enemy, of course, was Goliath. Where do, where do giants come from, Pastor Benny? Well, if you study in the beginning of time in Genesis 6 and 4, literally the Bible talks about that there were giants because the angels of God came down. The angels of God came down and had relations with the daughters of men, and giants were created. And apparently, even the flood, there was a remnant of giants that remained because the Scripture tells us, the Scripture tells us in 2 Samuel 21 and 20, there was a giant one time, and on his hand he had six fingers, and on his toe he had six toes, 24 total. And if you remember in Numbers when the men went to spy out the land, they said they were giants in the land. So, Goliath was a giant. I mean, folks, he was nine feet, six inches tall. Yes. I mean, his coat weighed 150 pounds. You can imagine a man wearing a coat that weighs 150 pounds. And here's what I want you to see. David, get this, was no match for this giant. Here's the premise I want you to understand. You and I are no match for our giant. Because, see, it's not a physical battle that you're in anyway. It's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6 and 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, we, ladies and gentlemen, are in a spiritual battle. Whether we see it or not, there's a spiritual battle that is taking place. Here's what I want you to understand. Goliath, Goliath is a typology of Satan. Goliath, ladies and gentlemen, is a picture of Satan. Let me explain. He was six cubits in height. In height. He had six pieces of armor. His spear, literally the Bible says, weighed 600 shekels. 666. Every number in the Bible represents something. The number six represents man. The number three represents God. 666 is man making himself God. That will be the mark of the beast at the end. This is symbolic, ladies and gentlemen, of the devil. And what God wants you to see... You come up close on this. What God wants every one of us to see, your enemy is not the person sitting across from you. Your enemy is not the lady down the street. Your enemy is not the man you work with. Our enemy is the devil 
Our enemy is the devil, the one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. The one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. See, I'm convinced there are two things that the devil wants to control. First of all, he wants to control your focus. I was just studying this scripture this week, and I realized something. The Israelites had already defeated the Amalekites. The Israelites, ladies and gentlemen, had already defeated the Philistines. They had confidence. They had God. But what changed things? They got their focus on a giant that was nine feet tall. You get this down, folks. The sun is bigger than a million earths. The sun is bigger than a million earths. But if you put a quarter in front of your eye, you can't see the sun. All it takes is a quarter in front of your eye, and you can't see the sun. And let me tell you what the devil wants to do. He wants you, and he wants to control your focus. If he can just control your focus, ladies and gentlemen, he can win the battle. Because, see, when you're wrongly focused, that creates fear. When you're wrongly focused, that creates fear. A lady goes into a doctor's office. She sees a new doctor she'd never seen before. Three minutes later, she comes out screaming. Her old doctor tries to console her. They talk a little bit. And he tells her, be seated in my office. And then the older doctor walks into the young doctor and says, what's going on with you? Mrs. Terry, 63 years old. She's got four children. She's got nine grandchildren. And you just told her that she was pregnant. And the young doctor kind of smiled and said, cured her hiccups, didn't it? <laughs> See, folks, you can focus on your giant or you can focus on your God. You can focus on how small you are compared to your giant. Or you can focus on how small your giant is compared to your God. David encountered a vicious enemy, and that vicious enemy wanted to control his focus. But let me tell you something else. That vicious enemy, he wants to control your future. See, Jesus said this. He said, if the Son makes you free, in John 8 and 36, you're free indeed. But I want you to understand something. The devil does not want you free. The devil does not want you to have life. The devil does not want you to have abundant life. Now, folks, let me tell you something. I know the modern preachers don't talk about the devil, and they say, you know, a pastor like me is in the dark ages. Let them say what they say. It's the book. Let them say what they say. It's the book. Listen, 
I'd rather please God than please every one of them anyway. I'd rather please God. I'd rather preach the whole counsel of God and have 50 people as sugar-coated and have 50,000. Oh, folks, we need the Word of God. See, here's what I want you to understand. The devil wants to control your future. You say, Pastor, Pastor, what are you saying? Look well, what the Scripture says. If he be able, this is what Goliath said. This is a paraphrase. He said, I'll tell you what. If Goliath said, if David kills me, the Philistines will serve you all the days of your life. But he said, wait. If I win this jammy, if I win this jammy, you Israelites, you're going to serve me. Let me tell you something. This is what the devil wants. He wants that addiction to you to serve him through that addiction. He wants that your past, he can control you through your past. He wants through that inferiority complex to control you, through that low self-esteem to control you. He constantly wants to beat you up and tell you what a failure you are and what a mess you are and what a shame you should be in. And he wants to tell you how you're less than because you did this and you're less than because you did that and you're less than because of the family you come from. You're less than because you weigh a certain weight. You're less than because you look a certain look. Folks, the devil wants to control you and he wants you to serve him all the days of your life. A lady sent me an email. This is what she said. She said, thank you, Pastor, for taking a stand against pornography. No, in the happy, clappy churches, we can't do that. Might offend somebody. Might offend. We just, the love of God. But she said, you're so right, Pastor. The damage it can have on children. Every time you run out and get a pornographic magazine, you buy it, 70% of them in, ends up in the hands of minors. The largest, largest log on to por pornography is ages 12 through 17. Let me tell you something. This is all I'm going to say, and I'm going to move. I'm going to read my story and preach. You ought to get up every day and say, thank God we got a preacher that will stand for something. She says, over 40 years ago, my husband as a teenager started looking at those things. He's been addicted ever since. We've been married 35 years now. And our marriage has been destroyed because of addiction. I was unaware of his problem until we'd been married for 10 years. I knew something was wrong, but as addicted people do, he always blamed me. He's been to counseling and had some victory, but many relapses. The last time was six or seven years ago. And now, he's just given up, a servant to it. And that's what the devil wants, ladies and gentlemen. He wants to control your future. David encountered a vicious enemy. I want you to see something else. David engaged a vicarious encounter. Vicarious only means in the place of another. And let me explain, and I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you the groundwork. If Goliath represents Satan, folks, David represents Jesus. See, remember where David was born? Bethlehem. Same place Jesus was born. Remember when they were born? 1,000 years between them. 
Remember what Bartimaeus, remember old blind Bartimaeus in the Bible? They told him, said, just, just be quiet. He just cried out the more. Just be quiet. He just cried out the more. And he said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. See, there's a parallel. Let me, let me explain the parallel. First of all, both of them were sent. Both were sent. See, you said, Pastor Benny, my family doesn't believe in me. My, my, my family, you said, Pastor Benny, they, they just don't believe in me. And, folks, that's okay. You know, sometimes people come up to me and they say, now, there was a Tate who preached. Are you related to that Tate? And I'm thinking, if you only knew. If you said, are you related to that drug addict? Perhaps. Are you related to that guy that's in prison? Perhaps. That's my family, folks. Now, this wasn't, this wasn't he was groomed to preach. No, 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 no. Listen, listen, the only thing I know, folks, you know, I, I know I, I know that I, the blood of Jesus is the only thing that washes away sin. Uh, I, I know that. I know I love Barbara with all my heart. I know that. I know Savannah's the smartest kid ever been born. I know that. <laughs> and I know God called me to preach. I don't know much more than that. I don't know much more than that. But, but here, here's what I know. David's daddy didn't believe in him. No, no. I mean, you say, well, I'm a fan of Jesse. Well, I, he, he didn't believe in David. He brought all the other jughead boys out there. He never brought David out when Samuel came to anoint the king. No, he didn't believe in him. But there come a day, there came a day when David said, hey, here's some bread. Take this bread. Go down there and give it to your brothers that are down there on the battlefield. So, so he sent him down there. Sent him down there. Did you ever think about this? John 6 says this. 48, I'm the bread of life. God the Father said to God the Son, go down there. <laughs> They're hungry. They're trying everything else, son. They're trying everything else to feel their hunger, but you're the only thing that can feel their hunger. <laughs> Go down there, son. They're, they're, they're trying everything else to feel their hunger, but it'll never be satisfied because they'll never be satisfied till they get you. They'll never be satisfied. They'll just keep digging deeper. They'll just keep trying harder. They'll never be Oh, let me tell you something, folks. Everything that you're searching for is found in Jesus Christ. Everything that you're searching for is found in Jesus Christ. Now, wait. Both were sent. Both were scorned. You, you know the story. David goes down there, and his older brother says, uh, well, you little nosy rut, what are you doing down here? That's the older brother. That's what he does. Do you folks read the Bible? He said, you little nosy thing, what are you doing down here? Think about Jesus. He was despised and rejected of men. I want to ask you something, folks, and I'm going to move to the next point. Where did we ever get this approach that if we're doing God's will, everything's going to be smooth sailing. Boy, he did the apex of the will, and it got him nailed to a cross. He didn't call us to comfort. He called us to a cross. A cross. Both were sent. Both were scorned. But this is the best part. Both were saviors. Yeah, you say, what are you talking about? Well, David took a sling and five stones from the Ayla Valley and defeated the giant. 
He took a wooden sling and defeated the giant. And Jesus took a wooden cross and defeated death, hell, and the grave. Amen? <laughs> now, 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 here's the last thing I want you to see. David provides us a victorious example. David provides us a victory. You say, Pastor, I'm so glad to be right here in this part because I'm in a battle right now. I've got a giant. And by the way, we've all got a giant, folks. So, so what are you saying? In all my years of preaching, for years I preached this text wrong. For years I'd get up and say, David killed the giant through God. But I was wrong every time I said it. God killed the giant through David. Because, see, David wasn't the warrior. He's Jehovah Saba, the Lord, our warrior. No, 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 no. That fight was fixed, folks. That fight was fixed. And what we got to realize, you can't handle your giant, and I can't handle my giant. Because, see, let me, let me tell you something. Boy, if I, if I try to handle, if I try to handle my giant on my own, ladies and gentlemen, mm-mm-mm. if I try to handle my giant on my own, oh, my goodness, uh, my two fair need a wheelbarrow, amen? If I try to handle my giant on my own, I'm going to get beat to death. But the Lord's my warrior, and the Lord is your warrior. And there's two things I want you to see. I want you to see, number one, progression. See, look what verse 37 says. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of a paw of a lion and a paw of a bear, he'll deliver this Philistine. Now, I want you to say this, folks. You said, Brother Benny, where was David at when God delivered him out of the paw of a lion, the paw of a bear? He was all alone, just him and God. Get this down. You'll never be any more for God in public than you are for God in private. God's not going to do something great through you in public if he's not doing something in you in private. That, the, 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 the power source is your private time with the Lord. It's your private. See, see it's, it's what you do by candlelight that will determine what you do in the limelight. It's what you do by candlelight. I don't know. I've never heard that before. Somebody tweet that. It's what you do by candlelight that will determine what you do in the limelight. It's that private time. That is your strength. I went through a low time. I went through a lot of low times. I remember a very low time in my life that I would play over and over that song. I've been through enough. To know he'll be enough for me. And I'll stake my very life that he will take care of me. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you. I, I, was, I was walking today. I was walking to preach. And a lady came up to me. Her name was Jessica. Jessica. And as I was walking to the pulpit, Jessica said to me, she said, do you, do you, do you remember officiating our wedding? I said, yes. She said, well, we're one of those that you've been praying for us to have a baby. I said, that's great. She said, guess what? She said, I was so down. 
She said, well, I came last Sunday, and you talked about he was Jehovah Jireh. And, and, and you talked about how he sees ahead. He sees ahead that when we don't see ahead, you talked about, Pastor, how he sees ahead. When we don't understand it, he understands it. You talked about when we don't, it doesn't make sense to us. He's got a plan. I said, oh, sis, isn't that wonderful? She said, I found out this week I'm pregnant. I found out this week I'm pregnant. She said, I found out this week I'm pregnant. Now, here's what I know. <laughs> Folks, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's where Barbara and I prayed all those years to have children. I don't know. But I think there's a special anointing there. So if you want children, just find me somewhere. Amen? <laughs> but I'm not praying for us, Barbara. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but you know what? No matter what happens in Jessica and Jack's life, they're going to look back and say, the Lord delivered us out of a Paul line. The Lord delivered us out. Oh, we got a giant out there, but God was faithful, and God's going to see us through. Now, let me give you the last one. Progression, the last word, power. <laughs> power. See, get, get this, folks. His name is Jehovah Saba. It actually means almighty warrior, Lion of Judah, captain of the armies of heaven. It means Romans 8 and 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? It means 1 John 4 and 4, greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. It means, ladies and gentlemen, that he is our warrior. He is our power. Now, here's what's amazing. I, I, I never thought about this in this light before. But why, this guy, this high, why did he run to battle a giant? And then I realized, why did he have so much confidence? 1 Samuel 17 and 26. Here's all I want you to see. David, listen to me closely. David never called him a champion. I want you to understand, Proverbs 18 and 21 says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. If you think you're beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you'd like to win but you think you can't, it's almost certain you won't. Because life's battles don't always go to the stronger or faster man. But sooner or later, the man who wins is the man who thinks he can. Quit telling yourself, I'm ugly. Or you're gloriously, you're wonderfully and gloriously created by God. Quit telling yourself that you're not the right size or you're not the right color or you're not the right age. You're wonderfully and gloriously created by God. You're special to God. Every once in a while when you're going through a low time, you remind yourself, I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm a child of the Most Why, listen, folks, I lived most of my life not even knowing who my daddy was, and after I met him, I didn't have much of a relationship with him. Oh, but I've got a father. I've got a father. I've got a heavenly father. I'm a child of the Most High God. Sometimes I just hold my thumb out and say, Benny Tate, you are somebody because you're a child of the Most High God. Now, wait. Now, wait, 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 just a minute. I, 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 I thought about this. 
What was his confidence? It wasn't in himself. It wasn't. See, folks, the Bible says to have no confidence in the flesh. So, Pastor, you got confidence? No, 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 no. Only who I am in Christ. You've got to get your self-esteem in Christ or it will be too high or too low. You've got to get your self-esteem in Jesus Christ. He never called him a champion. Uncircumcised Philistine. Now, please, understand something. Because I only say this, I don't say this in a cute Kirk you know, you know, he's trying to go far edgy. I'm, I only say it to give you the contrast. He called him an uncircumcised Philistine. That tells you the view he had. I, I don't mean it that way. But here's what he understood. A Jewish boy... On the eighth day, was circumcised. That represented covenant with God. That represented God's blessing. That represented God's protection. That represented God's favor. And when David looked out there, he said, you don't have the blessing of God. You don't have the protection of God. You don't have the favor of God. You don't have the power of God. I may be small, but I've got the blessing of God. I've got the favor of God. I've got the touch of God. I may not have the education. I may not have the looks. I may not have all that. I may not be from the proper family, but I've got the blessing of God. And that means more than anything else. See, I think, folks, I've preached all these years. And I was sitting the other day, and I said, Lord, I think for the first time in my life, I understand Proverbs 18 and 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and we are safe. <laughs> no, no, not in us, not in us. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. Now, you know, uh, this is what I know. He's our warrior. No matter what you're battling, you can win if you Depend on him. If you try to do it in your own strength, you're going to get defeated. But if you depend upon him, you can have victory. You know, I, I was reminded, I'm, I, I want to tell you this, and, I, and I, I'm done. You know, folks, God's really been working in my heart. I mean, he's really been working in my heart. God, I... From right here at Rock Springs Church, God's going to touch the world. God's going to impact the nations from right here at Rock Springs Church. You said, Pastor Benny, you're, you're audacious. I'm not a bit audacious. I, I, I know what the Lord has said to me. God's going to impact the world from right here at Rock Springs. Hooterville is going to impact the world. I believe that. 
believe that. I speak it. I speak it. People need Jesus. Folks, people need to be in an environment where nothing, nobody, no denomination, no church, no person, no personality, no preference, no style, no musical style, not anything like that. They need to be in an environment where Jesus and Jesus alone is lifted up. Just Jesus. Just Jesus. Not Jesus plus something. Not Jesus minus something. Just Jesus and Jesus only. And Jesus only. And Jesus only. I was, I was reading this week about the prodigal son, and I close with this story. I close with this story. You know, as you study the Bible, you start learning more. I read about the prodigal son in Luke 15, and by the way, folks, while I was, I was, I was sitting yesterday there in my living room, and I, I said, this story's not about the son. We've missed it. We call it the prodigal son. It's not about the son, folks. It's about the father. I just started circling father in my Bible. I read the story, and I started circling father, and the word father was nine times. I said, we've missed it. We, we've made it kind of about the son, but it's really about the father. And the son goes to the father and says, I wish he was dead. Give me the portion of goods that fall off to me. See, you don't separate goods till they die. Remember, like Pastor Benny's always said, where there's a will, there's a relative. <laughs> there, are, there will be. There will be a relative there. I promise you. Yeah, if a man or woman tells you they're not interested in money, they'll lie about other things also. And he said, just give me the portion of goods that fall to me. And, you know, he took the money and he goes out and he goes with these women, lives it up, goes down to the crystal pistol and meets a bunch of lounge lizards. But that doesn't last long and he's miserable. And by the way, it won't last long for you either. It won't last long for you either. It will thrill and then it will kill. It will fascinate and then it will assassinate. And he said, you know, I want to go back home. But you know why he had some apprehension about going back home? I didn't understand this, but in biblical times, there was a kizaza. A kizaza is a, that's a Hebrew word, but it's a public display of shame. And when somebody has shamed the family, the leaders of the community would do a kizaza. And what they would do, they would take a pot. And when that man came back into the community, they would take the pot and they would break it at that man or woman's feet. And it symbolized kizaza means cutting off. And what it's saying is you're cut off from the family. You've shamed your family. You've disgraced your family. So the relationship is cut off. And if the person kept coming into the village, they would be stoned to death. So when I understand, understood Kizaza, I really understood Luke 15 and 20. Look what it says. That old boy arose 
and came to his father. Wait. And when he was a great way off, the father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I understood the great way off. Because see, before those community leaders could do a kizza, that dad said, no, no. You're not going to do that to my boy. So long before he got to the edge of the community, he said, you're not going to do it to my son. Typology of God. You're not going to do it to my son. And the Bible says he ran. Now, here's what I want you to understand. And I'm almost done. There was two things. There was two things that was shameful for a mature man to do in biblical times. One, it was shameful for a mature man to run. Number two, it was shameful for a mature man to show his legs. But this father had on a tunic. So he ran. By the way, the only record in the Bible of God running is right here. The only record of God running is right here. He not only ran, but he showed his legs wearing a tunic. It was double shame. Double shame. Now, here's what I know. Here's what I know. When a person messes up, the churchy crowd, the religious crowd says, shame on you. The legalistic say, shame on you. But God says, shame on me. Put your shame on me. Put your shame on me. <laughs> Put your shame on me. Because it matters not to me what you've done. I still love you. <laughs> it matters not to me how bad you've messed up. I still love you. Aren't you glad repent literally means re comes from that word return. Pent comes from the word penthouse. It means to return to the highest position. I'm glad when we come to God, it's to return to the highest position. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, he's our warrior. He's our warrior. He's Jehovah Saba, the Lord our warrior. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. 
I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now. Because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.